Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the mums, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Having yeah, this is Black Country Blokes, Chewing the Fat, with me, Kev Dillon, and Aaron Jew. Now, today, what we're going to be doing is addressing the elephant in the room. Racism in 2020 in the UK. Now, those people who say it's not here are either in denial or maybe even part of the problem. Now, me, I've only had certain points of racism thrown at me. Nothing as you lads have. But I'm married to a a mixed-race woman. Me and Quinton and his twin brother, Kashawn, I've grown up over the last 30, uh, 30 years together. Pete, been best mate since like almost 25 years. Mm-hmm. And just because I haven't had racism doesn't mean it hasn't affected me in life. Every time that I walk into a pub with my wife and the football's on, my stomach turns over. When I'm at a boxing show, and it, all it takes that one knobhead to say something, and it, it, it's horrible. And the saddest thing of all is... We're going to find a cure to this coronavirus before we find a cure to racism. And one has just jumped up overnight and affected the whole world, where one has been in our lives and affecting people's hearts for generations. So, lads, thank you, Josh, Quinton and Pete, for coming on. Would anyone like to start off the show? Quint, do you want to start? Um, yeah, yeah, I'd like to start off, I suppose. Oh, well, I will start off. <laughs> um, good introduction, by the way, Kev. That was a good way of putting it. We probably will find, um, well, most likely we'll, we'll find a cure for the corona before we find a cure for racism. Because obviously it's taken a long time to establish the racist societies and ideals that we live by. So it's going to take a long time to unestablish them as well. Regardless of how long we've already been fighting for them, it's still going to take a long time. You know what I mean? Because that's the system that you live in. So to change a system that's, um, you know, defranchising one type of people or to change a system that's, you know, not valuing the lives of one type of people, you need everyone to agree. And that's part of the problem because everyone doesn't agree. And that's why it's still around today. Pete, anything you want to say on that, bro? Um, well, I don't know. One of them, isn't it? Like, I see it as like, you know, you're never really going to be able to abolish something that is an observation as well. So even though you've got like deep-seated racism and you've got problems with society and things that happen because of the slave trade and all that sort of thing, you know, obviously that's going to go back hundreds and hundreds of years. But at the same time, you know, you can visually see that a person is different. So you're never going to really be able to abolish the just the animalistic reaction of like, oh, say if someone's a bastard and they're fat, as I've told you this about this before, chances are you're going to call them a fat bastard. So, you know, it's it's one of them, you know, I've, I've noticed more, you know, some people aren't necessarily racist, but then they can be pushed into a moment of anger when they'll just be, oh, you, you black bastard. Or something, and then all of a sudden it's gone over into that territory of like 
but it's not you know one it's an observation and they're trying to hurt you and they know the obvious what the easiest way to do it so i think it'd be kind of delusional to say oh yeah we can just abolish something that is you know just like a visual like reaction to the way someone or you know we're way to hurting someone or just the same way i look to black or mixed race people for like brotherhood or you know what i mean or things like that along that line so i don't know it's one of them isn't it we can work but not to abolish it yeah i'll i'll jump in first of all thank you so much boys for having me on this show i really like the black country boys and it's an honor to be here Quinton and Pete, I think you made some really interesting points. I think it's going to be really difficult to change something quickly that's been part of society for such a long time. However, I do think that things are getting better. If so, let's say we look 50, 60 years ago in Belgium, there were human zoos where they were displaying black people for the entertainment of white people in cages. And now those things are completely unacceptable. You would have to dig far and wide to find people who found that kind of behavior acceptable. So whilst things aren't great, they are significantly better than they have been. And 60 years isn't a long period of time for things to change. So it is horrendous that it's still around and it is very much a real problem. I've just posted a video on my own Facebook about the experiences I've had with racism, just a small few of them. But they're not, but they are improving. So I would like to say that. In terms of Peter, go on. Sorry, no, you carry on, sorry. In terms of Pete, I 100% agree. I think it's human nature that you look to those who are like you for your, to be your tribe of people. I think it is something that is in human nature to look for community and social gathering. And fundamentally, prejudice is something that is there as a way of protecting humans, you look at those who are different as potential threats to your life or as when we were hunter-gatherers to your food sources and to your women to reproduce. So it is difficult. It is going to be difficult to change what is almost human nature. And often I've, I agree as well that just sometimes it is a nasty word reaction. It's not a fundamental belief of people. There's people that I know love me for a fact that have called me a black bastard in the past. And it's because we've disagreed and they've just been in such a state of rage. It's the first thing they've seen. I've stubbed my toe on the door and I've called my door a prick. I don't actually think the door is a prick. I've just been in a horrible state at that time. But do you think, lads, talking about this, and I'm just asking the question, there's a difference between, let's call it, and this is only a word, low-level racism, as in a throwaway word, which isn't acceptable, and institutionalised racism, where you might not be able to get a job or an opportunity because of your colour. That's a great point, Kev. And um, as I was listening, I'm agreeing to both your points, but I was thinking that as well, because... Like you touched on, Pete, and like you touched on as well, it's um th- those things. I get what you're saying. Like in the spare of the moment, someone will say, "Oh, you black bastard" or something like that, and that's less effective to me than real racism. Because, anyway, like I say, real racism, I don't, I don't really associate your black bastard or racial slur with someone that's racist. That's someone that hasn't got anything better in their mind to say. So it's their first reaction to say something because they're not smart enough to think of something better to say. So I don't really 
or do I think, oh, you're racist because you said <clears throat> a racial slur. I know people that's never said a racial slur that I'm sure is 100% racist because of their actions. And many people that say racial slurs, that their actions show that they're actually not racist. So words are just words. And, you know, one of the oldest things I learned because, you know, when I came to, well, I came to England when I was four. So I started nursery here, then started school. And so obviously that was my first experience of racism because I only came here at that age. If I'd have came here a bit younger, I would have experienced it maybe a bit younger. But I came home and my mum told me and my brother, sticks and stones might break your bones, but names will never hurt you. And even though it's an old saying, I kind of stick by it. Names, words are just words, but racism's more than just words in my eyes. You know what I mean? It's actions. It's the, the, the systematics, you know, of, like, on a form. I've been practicing this on most forms for the last three or four years, just out of curiosity to see what happens. Any form that has my ethnicity, I, I tick white. When I was in America, I'd say white American. When I'm in, Brit when I'm in England, I'd say white British because... If I can see myself as a female, why can't I see myself? If I see, if I can see myself as a female and you have to accept it, why can't I view myself as a white man and you accept that as well? And I notice sometimes I get the treatment a bit quicker or, you know, you notice differences. So racism is not just about words in my eyes. It's the whole system. Aaron, can I get you to chime in on this? Because you were saying something to me the other day about, like, on a video game, the different colours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, just in that analogy, it's um, I'll speak to Josh just before we jumped on here. Um, obviously, my experience is slightly different to your guys, but I've always had racism consistently thrown at me, and I got numb to it just like, yeah, it is the, you know, the P word recently, the, t the terrorist word. You know, there's a point I was like, should I shave my beard off? Um, you know, I don't want to be considered a terrorist. I'm not a religious person, but I, w I wear my bangle just so. I can still at least differentiate myself and maybe be the better of the terrorist gang, for example. So I've always struggled with that. But the the video analogy game, and it's it's kind of like a lesson and something that I, I realized early in life is that we can play this game of life, which is what it is, and we can do very well. You know, I, I've, I've got a degree. I've studied a master's. I've worked my pretty ass off, as probably all of you guys have as well. But there's only a certain level you can really move up. And I've worked in corporate, and you get to a point where it's like you've got a, a white individual and then you've got a colored person. You're never, you're never going to win that race. And I accepted that. And it's, you accept it and you just roll with the punches because you're like, I can still have, I can still play this game. You know, I can still get to level fucking 99 and have a sick time, but that last level I'll never get. And I accepted it. And I was just speaking to Josh just before this. I was saying, it hurts me when it, when I see other people going through, like, you know, I, I don't know Quinton and Pete, like I know Josh, but I can feel the pain of the shit that's going on in the world. And I don't like that. It's like when my brother got denied a scholarship to go to America to play football, the MP, the local MP told us if he was white, everything's fine. You know, he did all the paperwork, every side, everything's fine enough. This is a 16-year-old kid who's been working his ass off. I didn't let him drink. I didn't let him do anything. He's about to, you know, have his dream as a footballer and it's taken away. So, you know, I've always lived with it, but it's like something needs to change. But I think all you guys just made like some amazing points that actually... There's certain things I used to believe that ain't right. So like the slurs, I used to think if you say like a slur, for example, I, you black this or you packy this, for example, then you're an instant racist. But actually, when I think about it, Josh, you made a good point that when you bang, when you bang the table, you know, and you, and you say prick or fuck, or when you have an argument with your missus, you say stuff that 
that's not actually the truth. You know, if my missus believed everything that come out of my mouth when, I, when I'm angry, fucking I wouldn't be married, you know what I mean? So <laughs> th there's that aspect. So thanks to you guys, I've actually learned a little bit there in myself. But the, in my eyes, the game's fixed. And I say that from a systemic place, it's, it's fixed. How we change that, I listened to David Goggins today and he spoke about his abuse as a, as a, as a half black man. And he says, the way you change it is by getting the people at the top, which generally speaking are white people, to make a change so i don't have the answer i don't have that power but fucking on mate I, ho I hope we get some sort of systematic change but yeah it's, it's getting better but it should never be a thing like we should never five of us should be talking about something completely different and it, it, i don't know it's just upsetting mate pete have you got anything to say about that yeah um i don't i don't know i think it's um it's one of them that they have to be i think the difference between the two like you're saying that there's that kind of deep-seated racism that's like born it within the hierarchy, which is going to be because I mean it was a racist system because it was made by racists, and it's a sexist system because it was made by sexists. You know what I mean? Back back in those days, it was the norm to be racist or sexist. You know, there's probably when they wrote these rules that they've adapted upon in over the years, it it was they were. They, you know, they would have to consider that black people couldn't get the same jobs and they couldn't vote, and you know what I mean. That so, it's one of them. I don't think that necessarily the system is broken. I think mean, people always like you know point fingers at the system, but one we've done our utmost to make sure that no other system can be tried out, like communism, for example. You know, every time it's been tr tried it's been like you know like the, the, the cuban missile crisis like all of a sudden and you know it's always there's always been people trying to throw a spanner in the works and things like that but essentially if you look at the core values of it if we stop devaluing one job over another and the bin man end as much as the doctor and the people just got the reward out of the actual job itself rather than the money and the material value then you know, would it be such a bad? Would it be such a bad thing? I'm not saying that I'm a communist or that is that you know this any of this would work. I don't think that's what anyone's ever asked for, and I don't think that's the answer anyway. That we're going be equal that way. When I say equal, the equal comes with the word opportunity as well. It's not about communist equal. Um, you everyone's going to make the same. Everyone be man and doctor. We're not asking. We're asking for fairness. In fact. But no, people no. never fought for equal no. rights. They fought for civil rights, which we're still fighting for today. No, no, I'm just using it as an example. I'm not saying that's no. coming the way to... No, no, <laughs> I know that. I'm just saying... You know, stop the oppression of black people. I'm just yeah, saying I'm that just saying, communism yeah. hasn't really had a fair go at it. I'm saying that capitalism, you know, it doesn't work. Yes, it, it, there's no coincidence that the people that, uh, that look after the money, actually, you know, they earn the most money. It's no coincidence that the people that making the rules and making the systems all go through the same schools. They all like, you know, wear the same clothes. It doesn't matter whether you're voting for a guy that's got a red or a blue tie. That's just all there just to make, you know, Joe Average think that he actually vote actually matters. You know, you know, you mentioned this there. Part of that is part of the problem that we face today, you know, because you see what you said. You know, the people in control of the money, you know, it's all about money and classes and systems. Uh, he said that the system isn't necessarily broke. It's a wrong system. 
but people don't want to let go But people don't want to let go of it, or there shouldn't be a disagreement. We should be equal, having equal opportunities. But the point I'm going to make is the reason that police officers in America feel it's so easy to kill black people the way they did, the way that guy did the other day, with the knee on his neck and his hand in his pocket, looking looking around in no danger, looking at the public watching him, is because black people hold no economic value. And because they hold no economic value, there's not never gonna be no coincidence, there's never gonna be no um, consequence when someone takes their life, whether it's a police officer or a neighborhood watch guy in that country at the moment. You know what I mean? Here we got different, you know, scales of injustice, but it's not to that level, but still is what all I was pointing to. You know, our lack of economical place in a system makes us disposable. Oh, we all spend the same money, but we're spending our money in different communities and we don't spend money on our own to build our own economic security, which they did years ago when he got bombed. But that idea is kind of maybe black people have been scared to try and do that again. I don't know. Uh, the point I wanted, I just wanted to make was the fact that you know I don't think necessarily the system's broke. I just think that we're broke. You know what I mean? We are really, you know, inherently quite bad. We're quite selfish. We're, we're quite, broke. You know, we're system like that. We have it. We have a tribal mentality where we're supposed to be in small groups, and then soon as you bring in mass scales and people are exposed to mass amounts of information and things like that, it messes you up. And I just, you know. I, I don't think necessarily there would be a system that you could put in place that would keep everyone happy and keep everyone up. We'd always descend into, um, you know, some sort of hatred or some sort of... Well, the people in the system advantage might miss it, but others wouldn't, would they? Josh, do you want to just jump in? Sorry, mate. Yeah. I can see you waving. I find this... I found that conversation between you two incredibly interesting and i think Pete, you were you were touching on what they call in academics the the uh equality of opportunity versus the equality of outcome with communism being the equality of outcome everybody receives the same and what i believe black lives matter is about is the is the protest and the discussion about whether the equality of opportunity is there and in the uk I feel like it is there in many places now that it wouldn't have been before. It might still not be, like Aaron said, to go from stage 99 to 100. I don't know because I've never been at stage 99. I don't have any personal experience to say whether that is the case or not. But there are certainly many cases now where I know that I can access as a black person that I wouldn't have been able to access before. Um, and I agree with Quinton that black people are disposable within a system where the system is based around making money because money is power in this system. And on that note, I'm not sure about whether reinvesting in black communities is entirely the answer, but I think black people lifting black people up and allowing them to upskill is the more skills you have, the more economic value you bring, the more, the less disposable you are. That, police officer, like you said, would not have been able to kneel on the neck of a rich black man in America. He just wouldn't have been able to because he, he brings too much value to that society. So that's where I think as I think that's where the, the major change is going to come. And I know it's difficult because black people, particularly in America, have been redlined into areas where if you're in that area, you can't get a mortgage and you can't access higher education without seriously fighting for it. 
but other black people, we can give black people those skills that we have been able to acquire. So yeah. That's where exactly. Sorry, sorry, lads. You're both talking at the same time. So, Quint, do you want to say something quick? Then, then let Pete have his say as well, please. No, I'm just agreeing with him. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I was like, um, I was just going to say, yeah, I've been within my profession. I see it all the time, and as well as you know the upscaling of skills, you know, black people will have to you know educate themselves or want to get into those positions because this is one thing that I've noticed like just personally from my own personal experience is that you know a lot of black kids don't want to be within, within those professions and don't want to better themselves within a system that's always shutting them so you know it's 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 a kind of a you know it's a hard situation to be in when you're trying to turn around to a young black kid and say well if you haven't got knowledge, no one's to listen to you because, you know, you've got nothing actually interesting to say. So if you can't do your research on both sides, how are you going to convince someone of something? And this is where we show them. Yeah. Yeah. And, what we're doing. yeah and, and it becomes a point of like, you know, where with, with some kids, I've had to actually turn around and, you know, show them black people that are very successful within, you know, the professions that they're interested in. Like, you know, they're like, you know, Wolves walking to my class now. Photography. Can't be a photographer. What? You know, if there's more black people within the photography profession, then chances are they're going to want to employ. You know, if you're sitting there in an interview, they're not going to be discriminating you. And, and if you're the best person for the job, you're going to get it. If the black person owns the company, then that will change. But mm -hmm. when you're in a majority, when you're in a minority, you know, when you're the minority in the country, it's a bit one of those, isn't it? You know, is that really ever going to change over here? Do you think it will come, as uh, Josh said at the start, like within the last 60 years? Do we all hope because of, inter like, um, my wife's mixed race and I know uh, I, with people, I'm trying to get my words right, by people falling in love and having children, do we hope racism won't die out? But when some arsehole says something in the pub, when we stop standing for it, instead of just going, well, that's just Darren, you know, he's just a racist. When we start saying, yeah. look, Darren, that isn't correct. 100%. Like I was t saying to you the other day, remember I was, I was saying about the paedophile situation. I'll just explain it. I'll put up stats for body. It shouldn't be offence <laughs> to anybody. But I think all of us in society agree that paedophilia is a wrong thing, yeah? So... If I was to see your child being molested by a couple of paedophiles, and then when you come along, I'll let you know, firstly, I'm not a paedophile, but I just saw your child over there getting molested by a couple of paedophiles. What type of person do you going to think I am? And that's the same thing towards racism, meaning it's great that there's so many people lately coming forward to clear themselves of racism to say, oh, I'm not racist. I've got black friends and family, or I've been around black since I was young, blah, blah, blah. Me and mine are more good. That's great. But apart outside of your, your close circles, what do you care about race and what do you care to do about changing racism in a society? Because we need everyone to agree that it needs to change. And really, in this day and age, it shouldn't be something that we need everyone to agree with. It should be natural humanity to want it. Because the other way around, 
I wouldn't want to see anybody in society disadvantaged more than my people and then say, and then try and defend it or justify it or deny that it's happening. I'd feel good. I'd, I'd feel like, let's let's stop this. Let's do something about it. Same way as a paedophile. I'm not going to watch him do paedophilia to a kid. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to say, whoa, and pull him up on it. You know what I mean? So if we got that, it's just we need to up the value of where people see racism in society because people don't see it valuable, so they ignore it. Oh, it's just racism. Do you know what I mean? So it, maybe we should look at it a bit differently and get people to have a heart look. When I said that on Facebook, I had a few people that I wouldn't expect to, to it, for, for the pen to drop messaged me that the penny dropped. They never thought of it that way before. And now they look at it totally differently. They thought it was... It is good that if you're not racist, but it's more than just not being racist if we're going to change it in a society. Josh, what do you have to say about that, bro? I couldn't agree more that allowing people to understand... I don't want to use the term white people because it just sounds a bit wrong to, to say there's black and there's white people because there's just people. And I know that because I'm half of both. But I do I do think that we we need to listen to these people to get them to, to understand and put it in ways that they understand. Because at the moment, this is... At the moment, with what's going on with Black Lives Matter, we are bringing lots of awareness. But the passions are so high on both sides that everybody is clashing and nobody is listening to each other and in terms of what are you going to do in the wider society if everybody has the conversation within their close circles then that in, then if everybody's doing it that is everybody it's just not me 10,000 miles away speaking to that person it's me speaking to the person next door to me who hire who I have more of an impact to so I, I think that that is I think that that is a good thing that you are you've affected two people because those two people will affect two more people and at the end of the day this is about our kids and our grandkids and those two more people by the time it reaches our grandkids it isn't going to change that much in our lifetime by the time it reaches them it might be a lot better if those two people have all changed two more people that's like 500 people near you that will Mm -hmm. have eventually changed and seen this situation differently than how it how it has been seen previously it's Go on, sorry. sorry. It's another interesting thing about this situation is that it's actually brought um, probably unexpected unity from the elite that kind of run the system that we live in. It's brought unexpected unity. So I just wanted to shout out all the good people that are not black that's taken interest in the situation and fighting to change it as well because not everyone's against it. You know, not everyone's for it. Not everyone's against it. But you know. Bit, you know, much love and respect to everyone that is for it and do want to see a change. Mm. The people that are not black but still want to see something done about it. Hundred percent. Because I think what you said then, Josh, about um, caring, compassion, understanding—they're the only things we want to be contagious at the moment. And if we let it be contagious, maybe then we can have a change. A hundred percent. But whilst we're arguing and whilst we're fighting. Nothing is going to change because people are just going to stay angry and stay not listening to other people. We need to find, as black people and white people that care about black people, we need to we need to find a way to say, look, I understand you. I respect you. This is what we need. And we need to find a way to show it, don't tell it, because showing people will, showing people makes a difference. Now, I don't just want to bang my own drum, 
but I just before we went on this, I put a video up, and all I did was wrote down about ten of the racist things that people had said to me from teachers, police officers, and just random people in the street. And all I did was read those things off on a video, and the amount of people that didn't understand that were on the all lives matter, not black lives matter, that didn't understand that that was still an issue that affected me, that cared about me, now understand and are now on the side of change. It's not a case of shouting in people's faces, it's a case of showing them in a gentle way that look, your reality isn't as cozy as as you thought it was. Because it's a painful thing to realize that these horrendous things go on around you. Could I just 100%. say something? So I think when you battle hate with hate, it never beats it. All it does, it breeds with it and makes babies. So you've got a next generation of hate. The only way we can battle hate is by listening and loving and trying to understand. So there will be awkward situations, awkward conversations. Me and Quinton talk and Pete talk on the regular daily. And I'll tell them stuff. And some stuff, it does make me uncomfortable that someone I love so dearly is still having this on. And my wife. But we've got to listen. Because if we don't listen, then we just push it into a cupboard and it never gets sorted. I think, I think one of the issues that you have as well is like, it's like one of the most racist environments I can ever think of is, is football ground. And like, you know, everyone would cheer for a black player. Everyone would cheer for a black player if he's banging goals in. He makes one mistake and then, you know, monkey chants and all sorts of crap come out. So, you know, we'll get to the point of like, where, you know, the majority of the people in the football ground will turn around. The one or two people that have tried to, like, you know, how you might be a person feeling uncomfortable. You know, will they turn on them and then get to the point? Because, you know, it, it is, it, it's nice to think that this will happen. But at the same time, I think you always have to remember you have a lot of people that gen, generally are quite passive. And that's not just in terms of racism. If they saw any sort of injustice, they might just, you know, just sit back and not, not get too bothered by it. You know, or just not want to get involved. There's not everyone is confrontational, not everyone thing. And it's, it's great. And like, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've seen on like Facebook or Instagram and stuff like that from people that I know are passionate has been like very pro black and has been very putting out there. But then there's still like a massive core of people that will just stay quiet because I think generally that is their nature. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that, like, oh, I don't think it'll ever happen or it will change on a mass scale. I just think it is quite, like, it's a bit of a fantasy to think, oh, yeah, it will change to the point of where everyone's going to unite and we'll be in the point of, like, you hear one monkey boo and then the whole crowd turns around and, like, sorts them out. But, you know, it's a working progress, isn't it? I guess change society's opinion and then it'll grow from there. Well, I see opinion. I think... Remember, remember in the mid in the mid nineties for a few years, people kind of suppressed being openly racist and everything seemed fine for a while. I think it would be like that again, as in, um, you know, society will put, you know, they'll put a filter on themselves for a short time till all this dies down. I think some people are still going to be outraged and want to, you know, fight the opposite and say this or say that because two things I like to remind people. Pro-black doesn't mean anti-white. And it's, and Black Lives Matter doesn't mean white lives doesn't matter. It's like a posted a comedian talking about today. He said, we start negotiations that Black Lives Matter. Can we say that? Uh, what's lower than matter? Black lives exist. Can we say that? 
You know what I mean? So we're always going to have both ends of the scale. But once we get most of society to agree that's unacceptable behaviour, same as a paedophilia, then we can start to make a change. I'm not saying that people have to physically confront everyone that's racist, but race situations, make, make them known, don't let them slide all the time. So if there's four or five people witnessing it and four or five people disagree, the situation won't slide, is, is what I'm saying, Luke. Mm-hmm. I feel that's a brilliant, brilliant point. We're at that stage yet already, though, aren't you, really? I mean, I wouldn't say that there's many, I mean, I don't know many openly racist people. And, you know, we are, I'd say we are at the stage where the great, you know, like we are educated enough for the general public to agree that racism is wrong. But it's acting on it, isn't it? That's the issue. Yeah. I think we need to very, we need to make a very distinct difference between racism and stupidity. A lot yeah. of people don't know that the things that they do and say are racist. It's not. Yeah, that's more stupid, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, racism, I mean, stupidity is more widespread than racism. That's a fact. Yeah, uh, I remember one of my friends, and he's a good friend, obviously, right now. But like, he's saying to me one day now, um, I think I think black people are better at sprinting because they're more like animalistic. And I was like, <laughs> I don't go saying that to anyone <laughs> except me. And he, he wasn't saying it racist or anything like that. It's just to him in his weird mind. He looks like a cheetah running past or something. Like that. You know anything so but maybe that's more than more like you know what i mean and just didn't realize didn't kind of compute how much how offensive that could have been and i just like you know don't say ever say anything like that again it's going to be it's going to be offensive to oversensitive people but some you know at different times people are going to be more sensitive but most people will probably see the silliness in it and wouldn't take it you know more sensible people wouldn't take it serious or offensive than see the silliness and probably be embarrassed for him because he's embarrassed for saying something like that. Like, you know what I mean? Most yeah. of the time when people say those type of things to me, because I hear them things all the time, I never consider it being racist because when I see the embarrassment from the person, I know they're not racist, they just made a slip up or whatever or said something, you know what I mean? But like I said earlier, there's many people that have never said a racist slur or a racist, or a racist word in their life that are 100% racist. There's many people who said many racial slurs but they love all the black friends and family. So it it doesn't excuse them for saying it, but I'm just saying their heart, at heart, they're not racist. They're just stupid, like, or don't understand. You know, we've, always called, we've always called it a polite racist, haven't we, Quint? When it says all the right words, but you know he's got hate in his heart. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Like, you know, question. like um, a corporate boss or somebody, he's not going to say a racial slur, but he's going to do it with his decisions go on Josh I've got a question which I don't really want to which I didn't really want to ask other black people this question but I'm going to ask it anyway do you not feel sorry for a lot of people that you know are fundamentally racist because it must I know that when I've hated things in the past it's really consumed me and it's made me feel horrendous and for those people to see us and to see us doing well and doing better than we have in history, that must drive them insane. And it must be a horrible, horrible existence to see people and get angry every time you see them. And I actually, it actually makes me feel a bit sorry for people that are fundamentally racist. Yeah. 100%. I, I pity people like that. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I pity them more because I think, like exactly as as you just said. Like I think, imagine like you get in because that must be the happiness in a way. 
because you know your happiness is derived from the hatred of other people and it's like so yeah, you get all your mates together and you're like right party around mine and we discuss how much we hate these people it's like it's kind of i guess and it's like they hate you without knowing why mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's, that's the point of people the most it's not too far from like a football fan is it like you know i think we just like you know just taking tribe to another level but let's say a football fan will like take pleasure in hating the opposite team and mm-hmm. i've known a lot of people that probably celebrate their you know the opposite team losing more than they would their team winning 100%. So I guess it's a kind of like some sort of weird celebration of like. Some people are fueled by the hate, though. So you know that's what fuels some people. Some, and then people that are fueled by usually don't get that far in life because that's what they're fueled by. Yeah. That's that's people, what gives them the most. They hate without realizing why they even hate. People just hate. There's a guy. There's a really nice trail path around where I live, and people like to ride their bikes through it. Some people don't like that. And I know for a fact that people go and stick nails into tree roots to pop bike tires just because they don't like the fact that people are bike riding through these paths. People just hate. <laughs> I think it. Black... Because it gives them a mission, doesn't it? And I think that's what you need a lot of the time in life, don't you? You need a mission. You need a, a, like a reason for existing. And, you know, when you're just in some corporate dead-end job or something like that, you have no reason. So, you know, you, 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 you get everyone together and hate on black people or get everyone together and pop some bike tires or, you know, I don't know. I think it's just... It gives a lot of them someone to feel better than as well. Like, Aaron, when, when Aaron, when on that note... I'm better than these people kind of thing. Well, yeah. Aaron, on that right. note, you know, you know the saying that uh, we said before that you were on about on the phone to me earlier? Um... Oh, the, the, the quote about actions. Because I think this, I think that's so relevant now. I mean, if all your mission in life is to hate, mm. is that the right path? So, could you just add a quote you said to me earlier, please? You put me on the spot here, Kev. Um, it was um, it was a quote, and it was about um, to be the change, basically, that you want to be in the world, effectively. So, you know, we've covered it in in this uh, podcast here, where people are just going back and forth, and. I, I'm also of the belief that some people, you ain't going to change their mind. It's a bit like the football analogy. I'm a United fan through and through. You can tell me all the stuff in the world. I would never support Liverpool. And obviously, this is more of a serious issue. And I think there's some people who are so fixated and have so much, whether it's ego or pride or they're patriotic or something, they're not going to change that. But all we can do is five of us and you know, hopefully that ripple effect that Joshua's on about carries on is just try and be that change. So when you see someone who's racist, if you're a passive person, okay, Maybe just acknowledge it, like however you feel comfortable. Obviously, I'm not saying to people to, to put themselves in danger, but just be compassionate. It's like when, I, when somebody's racist to me now, I just smile and I can brush it off. You know, I've, 30 years, you know, I'm a grown man. I've got nothing to prove to nobody out there. It doesn't bother me. I'm my own man. That's okay. For younger people, the only, the only like for my brother, brother, for example, the only thing I can teach him is be the person that, you know, your kids will be proud of. So for us, let's not make two wrongs if that makes sense sorry i'm rambling a little bit here but basically our actions that's 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 the key that's what we should focus on being com- kind being compassionate compassionate don't let the bad in other people bring us down as people as well um because we need to empower our generations as well and one thing i'm i'm, I'm grateful for and we use it as a stereotype but asian people we're always told to get our education but i've learned so much listening to you guys here now about the economic value and stuff and i'm like shit indirectly i was given some level of economic value i i can walk to a job application and i did the same thing as you quint where 
I wouldn't use the name Sing. I use the name Dew. And because my first name's Aaron, I've even been to interviews where they're like, oh, I never expected it to be you. And I'm like, surprise, motherfucker. And like, I get the <laughs> job. Kind of, you know what I mean? But, that's what I would encourage people is just be that change. I know it's hard because emotions are high. All of us, we can feel it. You guys probably a lot more than, than myself right, right this second. So just be the change. That was it, really. And if you are that passive, that passive person who doesn't want to stand up to the racist, educate your children that that is wrong. Kev, yeah, that is the, that is the thing about. No, go, go on, on Josh. Josh. Say, go on. That is ultimately the way that this problem is going to be solved. Expecting passive people to step up is completely unrealistic, and that's my big problem with a lot of the Black Lives Matter protesters. That. Not in the protest, but then on social media, a lot of people are saying, oh, if you're quiet, you're part of the problem. That isn't the case. You can't expect people to fight a fight that isn't theirs. It is theirs, but they've got their own fights to fight as well. You can't for I can't force my fight on you and expect you to fight it with me. But we can ask them to teach their children that it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, exa exactly. Like, And I was about to say, I wouldn't expect non-passive people I wouldn't expect passive people to step up and do heroic things. I'm not saying that when I was saying about the pedophile situation, but still show some empathy rather than think it's not my problem. Have a bit of empathy for the problem instead. You know, you know, if you're not going to say nothing, if you're not going to say nothing to help the problem at all, don't try, you know, to um, defend the problem or deny the problem exists. Is what mm -hmm. I'm you know, trying to get with the pedophile yeah, situation. So, because. Like when I said, if I let you know I'm not a paedophile, but I just witnessed paedophilia and didn't know about it, you're still going to... That wasn't me suggesting people start being heroes and saving us in a race situation. I'm to, what, what, what I was more getting at is, I'm not racist, but it's not my problem. Mm -hmm. Attitude is more what I was getting at with that analogy. And the people that, that reached out to me, I knew weren't racist, but I didn't think they would give a fuck about it. And they did. So... You know, I, yeah, I, I think we'll a few people with it that way. But I can see how it can be confused for the other as well. So some people, that's, you know, maybe on Facebook reading it, you know, the mind, you know, when you're reading words, it's all about how, you, how you're reading them as well. So, Well, that's why I wanted to get you guys on today because when we are reading something, uh, it's not whenever text message, you can read it in five, ten different ways. Is he joking? Is he taking the piss? Is he? But when we're actually talking here and we're all after the same goal. We've all had different experiences, but at the end of the day, we want, like my, my daughter who's now four coming five, I, I want her to grow up in a different world and I want her grandchildren to have an even better world. Whereas hopefully when they look back, they'll go, really? Really? This used to happen back then? And the only way that can happen is by teaching our children the right way. So if everyone, if there, is there any last quotes that anyone wants to say? I'll or is there any quotes that have helped you get through this? Uh, Josh, if it's all right, I'll start with you. Of course. I don't have any quotes that got me through this, but, re but releasing my anger did. And realising that showing, not telling, is the best way to move things forward. Black lives matter to black people. We just need to show white people how much they matter by investing in ourselves. And I don't mean only buying from black businesses. I mean, teaching black kids to be as economically valuable as white kids in our country and America.
Quinton, over to you, bruv. Um, nothing particularly got me through because to me, this isn't like um, a nice incident about George Floyd or this particular protest. It's a lifelong thing. You know, like we've all said before, like Aaron said, you get numb to it. You, like Pete said, it's one of them things. You know, like you said yourself, you know, like it's something that you just get used to dealing with. So when you when you are of colour in certain demographics, you're going to deal with it more than others and some will deal with it less because obviously there's black people also that believe racism don't exist because they're not experiencing it. So it's not just white people denying racism. There's successful black people that forget they had any discrimination back in the day and now they won't speak out on it because they feel like, you know, like there's, there's the one saying about that about them is the black struggle doesn't end when your personal success starts. You know what I mean? So you get that. But um, the one thing that I want to let most people know that is out there trying to treat it as a competition or deny that it exists or it's not a problem for them is don't be jealous that you don't have a movement. Be grateful that you don't need a movement because the reason we got a movement is because we need one. You don't need one because it's not happening to you. So, you know, as far as Lee Rigby and other things like that, the guys that killed him got punished and people are still as upset on Facebook because they are today about this, even though those guys got punished and probably get punished every day in prison for what they did. And, you know, so, but the difference is the last 493 unarmed black men to be killed by cops haven't seen any justice. So that's 493 families, daughters, so, um, mothers that haven't seen any justice for what's going on. So when people are trying to compare it to things that are really not comparable just remember, don't be jealous you don't have a movement. Be grateful you don't need one in this society. That's our close on that. Pete, anything you've got to say? Um, <laughs> uh, what's got to be through to now? Um, I don't know. People. Because <laughs> we are as good as we are bad. You know? So, I mean, as we can always dwell on one or two bad stories. And I think that's instinctive for one. You know, people are instinctively drawn to bad news because of the way we're supposed to be drawn to danger rather than, you know, the fruits of, you know, like they say, oh, you're supposed to recognise a lion over an apple tree because a lion will eat you and kill it. So bad news is ingrained in us. So I think, you know, one, we need to be open. We need to be open to education. If it's going to change at all, you need to make sure that people are willing to, to listen to someone else. I notice a lot with discussions, like people go up with a like a preconceived idea and say not only that, they, they're unwilling to actually listen to you and they're almost just trying to interrupt you and trying to just jump in and state their what their side of the story is. It's like it's not a competition. You know, something like Black Lives Matter isn't pick a side, it isn't all lives matter, it isn't white lives matter, it isn't black you know what I mean? It isn't picking a side. It, we we are all the same side. So be open to being educated, being educated by others and make, you know, understanding from your friends, from the people that you know that, that are black and listening to them and hearing their stories about how racism has massively impacted their life because I know it's massively impacted mine and I just hope for the likes of my nieces and nephews and that, that they don't have to grow up with that, you know, that in the back of their mind. So, yeah, I guess it's just be open to education and, you know, from all angles, you can learn something off, you know, like a little kid on the street as well as a wise old man, whether they're white, black, brown, Asian, anything. Yeah. Well, lads, thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on today. 
we're going to finish now. Thank you so, so much for having me. No, so I, always think, I think the only way that we're going to do this is by having these frank and honest conversations. So thank you for everyone for tuning in. Thanks, guys. So until, so until we talk to everyone next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Ta-ra a bit. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit. Listen, listen.